Welcome back to the Jam Room Podcast. Uh, hope you've had a fantastic week out there as always. And all those pleasantries aside, what's been going on in your world, guys? Hope you've been having fun. Um, I'm still fucking living life with one hand uh, with this broken bullshit elbow of mine. It's been fucking weird. I, um, I had a nice weekend. I fucking just did nothing, guys. I just fucking relaxed and chilled out with buddies. My brother was around for 30 hours or something. Uh, we just drank and chilled and chatted. Uh, it was a good weekend. I didn't get around to all the shit I wanted to do, but you know what? I fucking can't, you know? I got to, at some point, realize that I'm one-handed right now. Um, it's fucked up. I, I'm, not, I'm not too happy about this shit, right? Um, and I'm kind of... On the down low, a little bit terrified, because if I don't get the full movement back in my left arm, uh, fuck, who knows what's going to happen with playing guitar and all that sort of shit in the future. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to be good. I'm going to go do all the physio and shit like that that I might need to do. I'm starting to move it. So I was down at the hospital this morning, guys, um, which is no easy feat. It's fucking the other side of the city. And they booked my appointment for like 9.20 in the morning, which is fucking rush hour. Yeah, it was insane. So just fucking bumper to bumper. God bless all those people that do that daily. God bless you. Fucking, I couldn't do it, but whatever. So I made it down there and fucking, they took my cast off. Uh, so the cast is off and they've put me in some weird fucking metal brace thing. Um, that allows me to sort of move my elbow a little bit, still can't twist my wrist. And that's the thing that's scaring me because I need to be able to twist my wrist, uh, obviously to play guitar and all that sort of shit, right? And just to be back to normal. There's no way this stupid fucking fall should have, you know, knocked me out the way it has. But, you know, getting old fucking stinks. Gotta look out for that sort of shit. So I'm in this weird metal brace thing, you know, it's kind of like... I could, I don't know, like uh, what Forrest Gump had on his leg, but it's on my arm, right? It kind of somehow looks even more retarded on the arm. And um, it's been fucking freezing here in, in, in Perth, right? We're getting this polar blast bullshit that's happening. So it's fucking just chilly, chilly fucking weather for us. Um, and, you know, I don't really have many clothes that fit over my cast, let alone this new brace. So... Fucking lucky I got one jumper that can stretch over this thing to keep me a little bit warm. But apart from that, it's fucking shithouse. I hate going to fucking hospitals and stuff like that, you know. I'm talking to the ladies, they're like, oh, we can forward all our, all the info and all that shit to your, your regular GP. I'm like, I don't have a regular GP. I haven't been to the fucking doctors in years. The only other time I've gone to a doctor was maybe seven or eight years ago. And again, it was just a stupid injury. Um, I fucked up my hip snowboarding or something. And so I had to get that x-rayed in there. There was no break. It was all good. Uh, that's it. No, no allegiances to any fucking general practice around here in uh, my local suburbs or anything like that, which kind of seemed weird to them. But I'm like, come on, guys. Like, fucking... This doesn't happen very often to me. I'm not a fucking serial 
fucking arm breaker or whatever the fuck they, they thought. So anyway, got this new brace on. Let's me lose, move my arm a little bit, which is fucking painful. Weird as shit. I got to actually see the wounds from the surgery and all that sort of stuff. They ripped this cast off me. And um, yeah, dude, it's still fucking black and blue all over my elbow. It looks horrendous. It looks like a fucking, an 80-year-old's arm. 80-year-olds, their arms just kind of look like that anyway on default, right? Just kind of black and blue from bed sores or some bullshit. It looks like that. It's just fucking gross. But fucking whatever. It is what it is. I'm, I'm getting out there. I'm, I'm, you know, moving my fingers around. I'm getting, getting fucking ready and all that sort of shit. It's, it's working. So what was me? Whatever. Whatever. Let's move on, guys. Plenty of fucking new music to talk about this week. Um, got through... A good chunk of what I wanted to get through because I've been kind of behind. There's been so much fucking new music coming out and things have got sort of smoke behind it. So I wanted to check it out even though I know I would hate it. And I was absolutely confirmed in those uh, those suspicions. But fucking whatever. Uh, we'll talk about it. Speaking of fucking music, like how's all this shit with... um. So, so the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, right? It's been going on for 30 years now. Like, this thing is dragging on like fucking crazy. I don't know what they're going to do for season two. Um, but it's captivated the world. I'm sure I'm not the only one keeping tabs on this fucking trial, right? <laughs> but um, so the jury's out deciding. And it's taken them a while. And like, you know, if I was in that jury, which I heard was only like seven people or something, that doesn't seem like a fucking big enough pool. You know, you get a couple of fucking feminist social justice warriors in there and there's no way Johnny's going to get a, like, away with this, right? I don't know what the fuck's going on, but, you know, whatever. They're deliberating. And uh, maybe even by the time you hear this podcast, they might have already come to a conclusion. And if it's anything other than fucking Amber Heard is a crazy bitch, uh, something's up. And needs to be retrialed or something like that because fucking hell she just stinks as a human she's probably the worst human i've ever seen sort of on such a public platform like youtube i guess or whatever the fuck so wherever you're getting your johnny depp news uh, i'm sure you agree that amber heard is a crazy bitch right um so anyway jury's still deliberating uh johnny has um fucked off back to london um, I guess, or whatever, because fucking a couple of days ago, he was on stage playing guitar, right? He was there uh, fucking doing a couple of songs with Jeff Beck. And I think he has history with Jeff Beck. Like, you know, like Johnny was trying to start bands and, and all that sort of stuff when he first moved to LA and then that failed. He became an actor or whatever. Then he tried to do another attempt at it later in life. I'm pretty sure Alice Cooper had something to do with it as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's a connection between Johnny Depp and Alice Cooper in some kind of band project or something. And likewise with Jeff Beck, who was obviously performing somewhere in, in the UK. And uh, Johnny Depp just uh, appeared on stage and played a couple of songs with him or whatever. I've seen Johnny play guitar. He's, you know, he's got the soul. He's got the soul. He wants to be better. But, you know, he's all right. Whatever. Fucking good for him. I don't really know what's going to happen. Like I said, by the time you fucking hear this, that the verdict might be in, and uh, well, I'll mention it next time we chat, I guess. Uh, better go in our favor, guys. Better go in the fucking favor of fucking the men that are getting abused by fucking some psycho bitches out there. Because 
there's too many of them and they don't have a voice at all. You know, where's this equality movement when it comes to fucking that shit? They only like pointing out fucking the plights of uh, subjugated people or whatever. Oh, yeah, whatever. We'll move on, guys. But that's pretty funny. I, like, I, I checked out what songs they were playing and, you know, a little cover here and there and some bits and bobs. I wanted to see fucking Johnny actually shredding the shit out of that and dominating the stage, but who knows? What if he came out there dressed as fucking Jack Sparrow or something, crushing the guitar? That'd be a pretty fucking cool sight to see. Anyway, I fucking got into this um, got into this new show on um Netflix, uh, and I've only watched a few episodes yet, so fucking no spoilers or anything like that. I mean, I can't spoil it with just a few episodes that I've watched, but it's called the Pentaveret, fucking Mike Myers, and this kind of warmed my soul a little bit, guys. Fucking. I've been a Mike Myers fan forever, as long as I can remember. Like he was like one of my favorite actor as a kid. You know, fucking loved Wayne's World. Got into for a little bit. You know, got it like loved Austin Powers and and that sort of shit. But the '90s were wild with that that kind of movie. And uh, so now Mike Myers is back, and um, he's doing the things that Mike Myers does, which is goofy ass fucking comedy. A lot of semantic fucking linguistic sort of jokes um, based on accents and stuff like that. And he's playing every fucking character, right? Um, so this thing, the, the Pentaveret, um, I don't know, I, what, what's the premise? Kind of like there's these five rich cunts that uh, rule the world. Uh, that's basically it from what I can gather so far. Like I said, only a few episodes in, all right, guys? And uh, he's playing them all, except for their new recruit or whatever, which is played by... Um, one of the guys from Key and Peel. One of them. Um, sorry, I, I wish wish I fucking really checked out which one it is, but I don't know. What is it? Jordan Peel and something? I don't fucking know. Whatever. Not important to this, what we're talking about, guys. Uh, so Mike Myers is just doing his character work. Fucking tremendous. Um, it's weird. Like this Pentaveret idea was like hinted at in one of his movies from the early 90s. Did you guys ever see fucking um, So I Married an Axe Murderer? It's a great movie. Fucking 93. Uh, so that was just after Wayne's World had come out, right? So I was a Wayne's World fan. And then, you know, fucking really enjoyed So I Married an Axe Murderer as well. He's not playing any stupid characters in that, although he kind of is. In that movie, he also plays his own father. Like this, like sort of grizzled Scotsman, right? So it's kind of like the, the the first time you really see the Scottish accent coming out of Mike Myers's mouth, which obviously became a bit of a pinnacle of his fucking career, right? He had the fat bastard cunt uh, in the Austin Powers movies, um, and then later on used that accent for Shrek, right? Which probably made him squillions of dollars or or something like that, right? I actually heard a story that he um, re-recorded the whole shrek movie in scottish for free because he just thought it would be better something like that i don't know mike myers seems like a cool guy i'm kind of disappointed how he dropped off the radar um for the last like 20 years 15 years something like that he's just been gone and i knew he had a bit of a beef a feud going on something with dana carvey um but from what i can hear that's all been settled they're all back they're all friends everybody's happy again and fucking it just warmed my heart watching them pantaveret the wife and I were giggling 
was looking over at her going, fucking, he's back. This is sick. It's so fucking stupid and lighthearted and stuff like that. But anyway, back to So I Made an Axe Murderer, um, the grizzled Scotsman that Mike Myers is p- playing, right? Um, he's kind of into conspiracy theories and shit and reads like some sort of hell alternative newspaper or whatever, kind of like an Infowars or whatever. And... Um, yeah, he mentions the whole world being run by these five individuals called the Pentaveret. And so it's just a weird Easter egg in that old movie. And like, it's like an idea that Mike Myers has been sitting on for 30 years, nearly. Uh, and finally, um, it's become a little series on Netflix, and it's pretty cool. So shout out to the guys at Netflix for, for bringing Mike Myers back to life. Um, and also shout out to Netflix for just, like, you know, being kind of cool these days, you know? Like there was all that sort of shit going on when like Chappelle's uh, comedy special came out. All these um, little assholes working for Netflix were threatening to uh, quit, and like they didn't like all this stuff because it's like I don't know they didn't agree with it or whatever. So you know that's the thing with all these sensitive pussies. They just try to control what everybody else should be sensitive about. You know what I mean? Like someone makes a fucking trans joke, and it's just a fucking joke, right? But because it affects you personally, you don't think anybody in the world should have the right to listen to it and potentially laugh. Because if they do, that's fucking bigoted. It's bigoted to find things funny for some reason. I don't know. I find lots of weird shit funny, um, including the fucking, this new Pentaveret thing. And, and, you know, along the lines of those Netflix things, Ricky Gervais just did a new special. Haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, apparently that's kind of controversial as well. And there was that memo sent out to all the employees at Netflix prior to the release of Ricky Gervais's new special, sort of saying, you know what, if you're upset about any of the content, um, you know, we're going to let artists just do what they want more or less on our platform now. So you can kind of go fuck yourself. If you've got any problems with it, quit preemptively, you know what I mean? Something like that. But yeah, it was fucking sick. And, you know, Mike Myers is back. I grew up with fucking Mike Myers and, like, that, that, uh, that you know, that whatever generation of Saturday Night Live that is, where it was kind of post-Norm MacDonald, right? Um, but it was, like, the Adam Sandler, the Chris Farley, David Spade, Mike Myers sort of generation. Dana Carvey, obviously, as well. You know, fucking Wayne's World from 92 and shit like that. And it's fucking cool. And, like, Wayne's World did a lot for music. It was like a wicked glimpse into like the old school sort of heavy metal scene. Um, uh, you know, I heard this weird anecdote of fucking, you know, the intro sequence for the first, my, um, first Wayne's World movie uh, is that big fucking Bohemian Rhapsody scene, right? Where they're headbanging in the car, fucking wicked. And that's the entire opening scene for this movie. That's a cool fucking scene. And what it did to Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of unprecedented. Right? Bohemian Rhapsody was a pretty popular song, but then when Wayne's World came out, it was a huge fucking hit. Huge hit. And I heard at that time that fucking, um, you know, Freddie Mercury was dying from AIDS or whatever. He was very weak. Um, But someone showed him, like, the rough cut of that intro scene, and he seemed to fucking really, really like it. But he died before the movie came out, so he never got to see the impact that Wayne's World had on Queen. As a band, you know, it kind of gave them a new generation of people that they were fucking playing to. It's really, really fucking cool. Kind of sad in the same sort of way. But let's face it, the death of someone like Freddie Mercury is always going to be sad and tragic. The guy was a fucking one in a billion, right? 
So anyway, I highly recommend it. Check out the Pentaveret. If you if you're like, you know, grew up in the nineties and you love all that stupid, silly, just indulgent, silly comedy, check out the Pentaveret, because Mike Myers is back. He's playing stupid characters. It's fucking fun. It is what it is, guys. Anyway, hope you've been checking out some new music this week. I have. Um, some of it was just for the fucking sake of it because uh, everybody's talking about it. So let's get into it. It's enough waffling. Harry Styles has a new album out called Harry's House, and I wanted to see what all the fucking fuss was about. Uh, so I listened to it. And, you know, it's all fuss. I don't know what the fuck is going on to make this guy like this huge hero right now. I mean, like you could tell with some weird pop stars... Around like when Justin Bieber was coming up, you know, obviously I never liked his music or whatever, but I kind of got it because I could tell it would appeal to like these either overly sensitive dudes or these or, or just chicks, 13-year-old girls would love his fucking music, right? This Harry Styles album called Harry's House, um, I don't really get who it appeals to, but it seems to be appealing to fucking heaps of people, right? So it's cute. It's a cute little album. There's nothing hard hitting. There's nothing super groovy. There's nothing fucking too flagrant in your face or anything like that. Like, you know when Kanye does a big album and it's got a lot of hype behind it? At least there's some grit there. And it does appeal to an older audience. I don't see anything in this Harry Styles album that should appeal to anybody over 16. No way. It's just cute stuff. I mean, it's very well produced. There's cool vocals in there. The guy can sing. That's fine. I don't love his voice. It's very, like, you know, kind of, in the words of Patrice O'Neill, fucking it disturbs me with its lack of edge. You know? It's just a very approachable voice, I guess. Something like that. But, you know, he can sing. It's cute. It's fucking low energy. It's very well produced. Kind of groovy in parts. You know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to fucking trash the whole thing, but whatever. I don't, I don't get it, guys. I must be missing something about Harry Styles, and I'm missing a hell of a lot about music, but normally I'm aware of my fucking failures with that shit, but not with this one. I just, I just don't get it. It's fine. It's cute. It's silly. It should be fucking uh, relegated to, to people that are still attending school, right? But let's not pretend that Harry Styles is a fucking rock star to us adults, because he's not. He's just someone that's pulled a marketing trick at some point and fucking captured a good market market of these young people. Fucking good for him. Good for him. That's a, that's a wise move. He's going to make a shitload of money from that. Fucking congrats. <sighs> Whatever. So the album's called Harry's House. Check it out if you haven't already. If you've heard way too many songs on the radio, guess what? The rest of the album is... Less interesting than that, right? The singles that are on the the radio being constantly played kind of suck anyway. The rest of the album sucks more. Um, but if you actually like those singles, you never know. You might find your new favorite song on this album, but fucking, yeah, whatever. I did, uh, had to go from that out, so let's move on. Fucking the next one. This is a band out of Australia that I hadn't ever checked out before. They've only been on the scene, let's say, five, six years, something like that, uh, but they seem to have made a fucking fairly big splash in this sort of um, alternative rock, sort of uh, punk rock sort of scene here in Perth. No, they're not from Perth. Somewhere in Australia. Wherever the fuck they're from. Uh. 
it seems like a lot of bands that are coming out of Australia are more on the rocky side, hardcore or fucking doing something experimental or some shit. Anyway, the band's called Semantics, and the album's called uh, Paint Me Blue. And um, it's a fun fucking album, guys. I actually enjoyed listening to this one because it reminded me of just wicked 90s, like, pop-punky sort of stuff. But it's not quite, like, full just pop-punk. It's got some more rocky elements and some indie elements to it, but it's fun. They're just fun rock songs, guys. Um, uh, Yeah, I recommend this album. Semantics, Paint Me Blue. Check it out. It's fucking cool. And it's, uh, it's fun, it's lighthearted, um, but not in like a gay way that uh, Harry Styles was doing. And just sort of like, this is just fun fucking rock. I can actually get into this. This is a jam, you know? Cool riffs every now and then, fucking power chord chugging sort of stuff. All the shit that you would expect from um, the descriptions that I just gave. Sort of a pop punky, rocky kind of thing. You get it, right? So check it out, guys. It's called Paint Me Blue. Semantics. Um, somewhere online it said that they were a fucking super group of sorts, but I don't know what that means. Uh, what, a couple of the guys played in bands earlier or something? Who knows? They use these fucking terms a little bit liberally these days, as far as I'm concerned, but whatever. The other one I checked out, the other album I checked out is Florence and the Machine, which I've been saying wrong this whole time. I always thought the band was called Florence and the Machine. Turns out it's Florence plus the Machine. So, you know, the machine is extra to Florence, not just with, I guess. Um, I don't know, that's according to Spotify. Florence plus the machine. Uh, the new album's called Dance Fever, and um, this one was fine. You know, it's kind of weird. Like, uh, Florence and Machine have had some um, some hits, um, to the point at least where they're on my radar. When it, Oh, Florence and Machine, yeah, I'm sure I've heard of them. Yeah, I kind of get their vibe or whatever. This album's like a... Like an overly dramatic uh, folk album. Overly dramatic folk album. And overly dramatic, like, in not too much of a bad way, but it's very fucking dramatic. And, you know, the vocals are, are great. Like, she can sing like crazy, but it's like a very particular kind of voice. Like I said, it's like very haunting. And so a lot of the songs kind of play into that. So, like, musically, everything seems to gel really well. They're definitely their thing. And it's cool. Um, it's not necessarily my thing, but it's their thing, and it's fine. Dance Fever, I expected more songs to actually try and approach something that's going to make people dance, but it didn't. Like I said, it's just very dramatic. It's a very dramatic album. I don't know. Like uh, These guys kind of give me like old Fleetwood Mac vibes, but like in a not as polished or focused sort of way or something like that. And with none of the magic of Fleetwood Mac, but you know, at least approaching that sort of uh, outsider. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to say with this, guys. I don't know. I don't know. Scrap whatever I just fucking said. They don't, they're nothing like Fleetwood Mac. But there's a woman singing and they're doing experimental borderline folk music. Hmm. Kind of getting there. Kind of getting there, right? Anyway, it's called Dance Fever and it didn't give me any fucking fever to dance, you know? Uh, but... I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. It was fine. I don't know where in my life I would find a place to listen to this album over and over again, but um, if you're into that sort of shit, you'll dig it. I can't wait for some better albums to be coming out in the future, things that really get my juices flowing, but for this week, that's it. Harry Styles, whatever, that's fucking trash. Semantics, fucking paint me blue. 
that, that, that was cool. That was fun. That was whatever. Fine. Florence and Machine, whatever. I don't know. I'll move on from there. But there's my music reviews for the week, guys. What did you think? Did I just brush over all this sort of shit? Ah, oh, man. Maybe I just got to get my arm fixed. Maybe it's affecting me. Maybe me not being able to play guitar over the last few weeks is just really fucking with me. And I'm getting a little bit resentful towards people releasing music. Fucking good on them. Lucky them to be able to do that, hey? <laughs> I'll try and cheer up, shouldn't I? Yeah, I should. All right. Anyway, it's the end of the fucking month. And um, I introduced this segment last month where we would try and capture some of that fucking 30-year nostalgia loop. And as you can tell, I'm stuck in it. I was fucking talking about the 90s earlier on with Mike Myers and shit. Um, so last month, at the end of last month, I was like, all right, we'll use the last episode of every, every month as an excuse to sort of look through some of the old albums that came out 30 years prior and see what's going on and see if we can hear echoes of those sorts of bands or styles of music or whatever um, making their way to the forefront of music nowadays. Ah, it's, it's not happening too much. You never know. We might get some revelations along the way. Um, so here, check it out. Here's a list of some albums that sort of came out in May of uh, 1992. And um, this is where things are starting to get into sort of my childhood a little bit more because we do have a, an album from NoFX, um, The Longest Line. I was never a huge NoFX fan, but they were fucking, they were around. I was a Blink-182 guy, a Millen-Colin guy, right? Um, so no effects were crushing. They had, they had an EP out in um, in May. And uh, who else? Fucking, there's a compilation from Lionel Richie. So I don't really think that counts. Um, Santana bought out an album. And uh, whatever. Santana's had like two songs that anybody ever cared about. Like Black Magic Woman and that one with Rob Thomas. Smooth. Right? But for some reason, he was like a, like a guitar player's idol. Um, in the early 2000s and shit like that. You know, I don't know. I mean, he had his style. He was really, really good. He played a beautiful PRS. Uh, but whatever, I don't know anything from this album. What's the album called? Milagro. Milagro from Santana. That came out in May of 1992, as did a live album from Midnight Oil, Australian royalty, um, called Scream in the Blue. That's fine. Uh, fucking Nick Cave and the... Bad Seeds bought out an album called Henry's Dream. I want to listen to this one because um, Nick Cave's, uh, you know, he's done some good things. He's, you know, I don't, don't really hate what he's done musically. He's been very experimental. And I uh, don't really know that album very well, Henry's Dream. But if it's worth me checking out, you guys let me know. You know how to contact me. All the fucking ways to do so are in the description of this podcast. What else do we have? We have a band called Indigo Girls. Never heard of them. They bought out an album. Uh, the Black Crows bought out an album called the, uh, the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. Don't know what that means. Is that a real album? Who knows? Testament. I remember Testament. They're old school metal, right? Fucking Testament. Uh, the Ritual came out. What else have we got? Oh, fucking Kiss. Kiss bought out an album called Revenge. Now, I've never fucking really understood the Kiss thing, right? It's never a huge fan. I didn't get it. Like, they dress way scarier than their music would ever have you suspect, right? And, you know, it's kind of that, that fucking genre of music they called glam rock, right? And I never really understood that. 
Never understood it. Like, why are they in glam rock? I get why some other bands are in glam rock. They've got like spunky hair, big chains, all that sort of stuff like that. But what's so fucking glamorous about stupid face paint? The drummer is dressed like a cat with a fucking Halloween costume on. There is nothing glamorous about face paint and Halloween costumes. But for some reason, they call it glam rock. Let's call it what it is. It's fucking Halloween rock. It's stupid, right? It's just, let's just put on costumes to fucking, I don't know. I don't, whatever. I'm going to let that one go, guys, because I know there's a lot of Kiss fans out there. But are you a fan of how they dressed? Was that a cool guy? Was a guy dressed as like a David Bowie version of a spaceman playing guitar? Ace Freely's a cool fucking dude, but the the outfit and the get-ups just so stupid. You can fucking do with it, do without that, right? Anyway, fucking Ringo Starr bought out a fucking solo album, I guess, called uh, Time Takes Time. Very, very profound name there. Time Takes Time. Shit, let's meditate on that for a while um, to realize that that's just a title that means nothing, right? And um, there was a live album from Grateful Dead. So I guess Grateful Dead was still sort of kicking around and, and, you know, smashing out some new shit. They were still at least on tour in 1992 or something like that. And finally, the song that I'm going to leave at the end of this uh, episode comes from an album called Fear of the Dark from Iron Maiden, which came out in May of 1992. Now, Iron Maiden. Don't, I'm not a huge fan of Iron Maiden, right, guys? But the first band I was ever in, um, the dudes were. The dudes in the band were Iron Maiden fans for some reason. Um, well, it wasn't really for some reason. could definitely tell why. Our drummer's dad was, like, in love with the singer from Iron Maiden. Bruce Dickinson, I guess? Was it, is that his name? The pilot? That dude? Yeah, anyway, so I joined this band when I was, like, maybe 14 I was like working at Kmart, stocking shelves or some shit. And um, I was put on shift with a dude named Brendan. And um, we just got chatting. We got chatting about uh, about music, stuff like that. He was a guitar player as well. He was a shredder of a guitar player. In fact, his brother is a, an amazing drummer who's in a bunch of bands around here in Perth. Shout out Ash Dudecourt. And um, yeah, he ended up, you know, we bonded over a love for Metallica or whatever at the time. What year must this have been? Fucking 14 years old. It must have been, uh, what, 2001? Early, early 2000s. So anyway, he had a band. And, you know, those guys are all kind of older than me. Some of them have left school already and all that shit. Um, but they needed a bass player. So I figured I could play bass uh, for this band. And, and I joined. And, you know, all the songs, a whole bunch of cover songs. You know, we did originals later on or whatever. But, you know, in those days, you would start with cover songs in a band. And um, our list was a couple of Metallica bits and bobs, some Guns N' Roses or some shit, um, and a bunch of Iron Maiden songs. So I learned these songs um, along with them, and the, in the internet was kind of in its infancy, so I couldn't really stream music or whatever. So I, I played some of these songs live um, at like stupid house parties or whatever with this band um, without ever properly listening to them. And then when I did listen to them, I was like, ah, oh, shit, that was... <laughs> I was playing it completely differently, but 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 whatever. So one of the songs that uh, we covered is one of the songs that was first tasked with me uh, to me to to learn to join this band to audition for them or whatever uh, was from this album, Fear of the Dark. And uh, you know we never had good consistent singers in bands. That was just something that was kind of plaguing a lot of bands 
especially like the heavier sort of bands, um, at least around in my circle of friends and stuff like that in those days, you just couldn't find a fucking good singer. And uh, the, like I said, our drummer's dad was a huge Iron Maiden fan and actually had some serious pipes on him. So one of the shows we played, it was fucking his dad came up and sang the Iron Maiden tracks. And uh, it was embarrassing. You know, this old motherfucker. And let's face it, this guy was probably my age. <laughs> but in those days, it felt fucking old for this band where everyone's like 16, 17, be performing with someone well in their 30s or 40s or whatever. And he looked way older because he smoked 4,000 cigarettes a day. Um, but he could still belt it out. And uh, so the song I'm going to show you is from the album. Um, it's called Wasting Love. Terrible song, guys. Like I said, I'm still not a fan. If I, could, I, um, I got the chance to see Iron Maiden play. Oh, it was a while ago. Um, they headlined a Soundwave festival here in Perth. And I was at this Soundwave Festival uh, with my sister. She, there was a bunch of bands she wanted to see. Uh, at the time, Mill and Colin were doing like a 20-year fucking tour of their album, Penny Bridge Pioneers, which I fucking loved. Loved that album. Still do to this day. It's a great album. Penny Bridge Pioneers. Fucking amazing. If you like your pop punk. Um, and yeah, so the night was coming to a bit of a close. Headline acts on stage. Iron Maiden. I remember my sister and I just sort of looking at each other. Maybe three songs into the show both shrugging and then nodding and then just both quietly walking back to our car. It was over. No, I just didn't give a shit about seeing Iron Maiden play. I don't know why. It is what it is. Fucking, who cares? Three guitar players. That's too many guitar players on stage as far as I'm concerned. They do all right with their harmonies and you'll hear some of it in this track. It's called Wasting Love from the album Fear of the Dark, which came out 30 years ago. May of 1992. So have fun with this one or just turn off the podcast once it starts. It's up to you. It's your choice. It's your device that you're playing this thing from. I'm sure you have complete control over it. And uh, we'll talk some more music later on in the week. Uh, maybe, maybe over the weekend. Like I said, so much I need to catch up on. So if I need to get another podcast out to you, I certainly will. But yeah, here's some Iron Maiden for y'all. Have a fantastic fucking week. I hope you can play more music than I can play because that's about zero right now. But just have some fucking fun out there. Get in touch. Give me your recommendations. Whatever. It's the Jam Room Podcast, guys. Fuck yeah. Take care now. Bye-bye then.
Sister, I hope you find the one.